0: Good evening, friends. It's wonderful to see you and a blessing to share Christmas again with you. Perhaps not a profound uh, message this evening, but a profound passage. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, I'd like you to turn to the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. And if you'd like to use the Bible that's provided, that's page 857. Luke chapter 2. And this is the meaning of Christmas. Would you stand as we read the story together, please? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region were the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. For all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> For seven years before I came here to be pastor, I was privileged to serve with a senior pastor in Finley, Ohio. His name was uh, Richard Snavely at Calvary Baptist Church. And without a doubt, he was the most organized and meticulous man I've ever known in my life. We used to uh, make fun of his garage (laughs) because he would take all the tools in his garage and he would hang them in ascending or descending order. And then every... Year, he would paint the floor of his garage. Of course, you have to do that every year, don't you? Every year. But if I had to remember him for one item, it would be his daytimer. His daytimer. How many of you here remember daytimers? Okay, all right. Everyone's, except the millennials, I see no millennials raising their hands. Of course, why would a millennial need a daytimer? I mean, a wonder, okay? Okay, I'll be the good Scrooge by Christmas. But in this daytimer, Pastor Snavely kept, I'll never forget, a gold plated pen. And his entire ministry operated out of that daytimer. I mean, he was meticulous in planning every day and then. He would take the things not accomplished on one day and he would transfer them over to the next day. And if you served on staff, you had to have your day timer. Some of us on staff used to just go find it before staff meetings so we could have it, so he could see it. you know, Make sure he knew we had our day timer. But one thing he always said about keeping the day timer, and I remember it so well, he would say, Sam always make room for divine interruption. No matter how you schedule your day, always leave room for divine interruptions. I've never forgotten that, and I've tried to live by it. To be organized, but be ready for divine interruptions in your schedule. Now, really... Christmas, when you think about it, is about a divine interruption, isn't it? A divine interruption of the divine kind. A divine interruption because it was just an ordinary time. It was as ordinary as it could be. You've read from this passage. It was as ordinary as taxes. Because that's what Caesar Augustus was up to. He just wanted to know where the people were. Get them to their homes so he could tax them more. And it was an ordinary night. In ordinary times. There was no amazing star. Up in the sky. There were no three kings. From orient far. There were. I'm sorry, there was not a little drummer boy anywhere around. <laughs> and there were, there were no halos over people's heads. So you could separate the saints from the non-saints, okay? None of that was there. It was just an ordinary night. Ordinary night, a poor, simple carpenter... An exhausted young mother, a little red-faced baby, a cave that smelled like a barn, because that's what it was. It was an ordinary night, but it was an extraordinary night. Extraordinary night, it was truly the O Holy Night. That Doug just sang about and Greg company, because time had changed. Literally, no one knew it, but time had changed from BC to A D. Time had changed that night forever. And the world had changed. Lives would be forever changed. Now, when you begin to think of lives that were changed that night, the first Lives that were changed were the lives of some men whose lives were as ordinary and regular as the rising and the setting of the sun. Lives of shepherds. But those shepherds had a divine interruption in their lives. And what would happen is that these humblest of people, these shepherds... Would receive the highest privilege. That's what I want to think about tonight. We've been talking about a Christmas reformation, lives interrupted by Christ, and when Christ comes into your life, he makes a difference, right? He tends to interrupt things just a little. And I want you to see how he interrupted these lives. And these lives went from being men with the the humblest, humblest of lives to the highest of privileges. Now notice the Bible tells us that the people that heard the message that Christ had come, those people were shepherds. Now I want you to think about their status in society. They were the humblest people. When you think about status in society, first of all, because of their work. What they did was humble. It was humble. Uh, their work as shepherds was very, very difficult. I mean, there, there was no uh, clocking in and out. Uh, this, there, was, there was no time card. This was a life's work that was difficult. The days were long and hard and difficult. The work was difficult. And the work of the shepherds was dirty. It was dirty. You know, sheep are dirty animals. We talk about pure sheep. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Sheep are dirty. You know, Sheep smell bad. They do. They're they're, they're okay. Glad to know you're with me, I'll tell you. A little dark out there tonight. Glad you're catching on. I couldn't pull the wool over you, no doubt about that. <laughs> that was bad, I know, okay. The, the, the sheep were smelly. So if you took care of sheep, guess what? You were smelly too. Shepherds were dirty. They were smelly. They were dirty. The work of a shepherd was not just dirty. It was also dangerous. It was dangerous. There were murderous thieves around. Who would try to steal the sheep for profit. And kill the shepherds who were taking care of the sheep. It was dangerous work. There were wild animals. There were scorpions and snakes, wolves. And yes, in the Judean forest, there were bears. There were lions that were told. And it was a harsh environment. For these shepherds, the day was a furnace and nighttime was a freezer. That's the life they lived. Humble status of their work. But also, this is even more telling in the story, was the humble status of their worth in society. Their worth in society. Shepherds were generally discounted by society. They were discounted. They were considered to be morally untrustworthy. They had a reputation as liars. The the reputation had been earned by most of them, but the reputation was so significant that in Jesus' time, a shepherd could not even give testimony in a court of law because they were considered so untrustworthy. And not only were they morally untrustworthy, they were also... Considered to be religiously unclean. Did you know a shepherd could not go into the synagogue? Because he was considered to be unclean. You know that a shepherd, because he handled dead animals, unclean animals at times, could not go into the temple. Imagine raising the sheep... For the sacrifice in the temple. But you can't go offer one yourself. That was the consideration that was given to shepherds. But guess what? God had a little different view. He tends to do that. He had a little different view. God's decision was that these humblest of people, the the lowest of society, would receive the highest of privileges. The highest of privileges. Because on that ordinary night, something extraordinary happened to these ordinary people. Now think about it. These shepherds were the first recipients, they were the first recipients of heaven's announcement. They were the first to hear the glory to God in the highest. And the people who first heard glory to God in the highest were the people who on earth were considered the lowest. They were the first to hear truly the first Noel. It was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. Humble shepherds were given this incredible news. They were the first recipients of heaven's announcement. And so when they received that announcement, they made their way to Bethlehem. And guess what these shepherds became? They became the first worshipers of our Savior. The first worshipers. Now they were given a clue. They were told, you will find the child wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They were given a clue that perhaps only shepherds would have picked up on as quickly. Not that the baby would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. That was completely normal for a newborn ...infant to be wrapped in these claws tightly. But what the angel said, you will find this child... ...wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. There would be the clue for the shepherds... ...because shepherds knew where to find a manger. In a cave. Not in a barn... There was no barn back behind the inn. It was a cave where animals would be kept outside of Bethlehem. The whole area pockmarked with these caves. And for centuries and centuries, sheep were kept in these caves. And shepherds would watch over them and Hard weather in those caves. And so in one of those caves, they said you would find the child lying in a manger. Now you can imagine as they approached, these shepherds knew all the caves. And as they came, they came to a cave that perhaps they had stayed many many nights in before the ceiling of this cave would have been blackened by the campfires of hundreds of years and there they saw him who did they see the one that they were told would be was born that night a savior Christ the Lord. And these humble shepherds came into a cave that they knew so well. And there in that cave, in a moment of adoration, it became a cathedral. It was the true temple of God on earth. Because God had come to earth in the form of a little baby lying in a manger. And the lowest of society were the first to hear the news and they were the first to bow the knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, how long they gazed and worshipped and wondered, we're we're not told. We're not told how long they were there. We're not told any of the conversation that took place. But these humblest of men, after they had thought about what was happening, they recognized that they had the holiest of missions. They had to share the good news. And so these shepherds became the first missionaries. They were the first missionaries of the good news. The song that the angels had returned to heaven singing, Glory to God and highest peace on earth, goodwill to men. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That song of worship became their testimony. And the Bible says they went everywhere sharing about the things that they had heard and seen that night. There's a great lesson here for our children it's inserted in the bulletin for those that might be using it for but for kids of all ages here's the lesson right the lesson is this the gospel the gospel of Christ provides the most ordinary people with the most extraordinary mission the most ordinary people through knowing the lord jesus christ as their savior have now the most extraordinary mission and that's to share the story of jesus this week as i was driving in the car i heard a rebroadcast of a classic radio program by paul harvey Paul Harvey. Anybody here brave enough to say they remind Paul Harvey? Yeah. All you that own daytimers, you remember him, okay? <laughs> you, you can Google him, all right? But he was a, a famous broadcaster who was known for his insightful view of uh, current events. And his uh, broadcast was filled with uh, anecdotes. And always, usually closing his program with a very inspirational story. And after he shared that so often, he would close, and what would be his, his final statement? You, you know, you can still hear him. Now you know the rest of the story, right? Can you hear him saying that? I was chuckling when I heard the radio broadcast. Now you know the rest of the story. Good day. As I've thought about this this passage this week, I'm just I haven't been able but to imagine the rest of the story. The, The rest of the story. We're not told how old these shepherds were. Not told how many, but no doubt there were several of them. Maybe one was a teenager. Imagine that teenager making his way to the cave and there seeing a young mother about his own age. Imagine that. For months afterward, remember... Mary and Joseph remained in Bethlehem. We don't know how long. Maybe up until almost the child Jesus was two years of age. What do you think the shepherds did who had seen Christ that night? They lived right outside of Bethlehem. It's just a little village. Do you think they said, well... That was a nice story. No. You can imagine that, and and undoubtedly, they came back to to visit Mary and Joseph and to see the child because this is not a big city. This is a, a little village. And evidently, Joseph takes up his work as a carpenter and provides for the family. Therefore some extended period of time while the child is growing sometime afterward an in- unusual incredible incredible retinue of travelers appeared men dressed in garments out of the east magi Wise men, experts in the things of nature, especially in astronomy, they appeared bringing with them priceless gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They come to where the child is. Mary and Joseph are still living in Bethlehem. The shepherds are still around. Imagine you're that teenage shepherd. And you see these wise men come, give their gifts in the presence of the little one, and bow and worship. One day, the shepherd, young man, goes into Bethlehem to see the family again, and during the night, they have disappeared, they're gone. And then in the next few days, the unthinkable cruelty begins. As under Herod's order, all of the children under the age of two are slaughtered. Slaughtered like lambs. These shepherds were still there. They were witnesses of this as well. You can imagine the years pass. How often must that young shepherd thought about what had happened that night? How often he must have thought of that little baby growing up. He must have kept track of the years and thought about what he had heard concerning that child. Wondering when the time would come. Perhaps decades later. Over 30 years later. As they did every spring. The shepherds would take their flocks to Jerusalem. For the Passover. Because at Passover... Many of the sheep would be purchased and they would become the sacrifices for the Passover observance. You can imagine this teenage shepherd is now in his mid or late 40s. And as he again, as he has year after year after year, brings the flock to Jerusalem, he hears singing. He hears the voices of a multitude. And down the Mount of Olives comes a crowd of people singing Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the King of Israel. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And the shepherd recognizes... This is that rabbi I've heard so much about. His fame has gone throughout all of Israel. They say he works wonders and miracles. He's been to Jerusalem before. The crowd reaches the temple, and the rabbi looks around in the buildings of the temple, but then walks out into the court. And over the next few days, he's teaching. Can you imagine now this shepherd in his mid or late 40s? He comes to hear this rabbi, this miracle working man. And as he looks at the people around him, he stops when he sees a woman about his age. And though the years have lined her face, there's no doubt he has seen her before. Her face has been in his thoughts for over 30 years. It's her. It's the mother. And he recognizes this, this is the baby. This is the little one. This, this rabbi from Nazareth, this miracle worker, he is the one we saw that night. Well, you can imagine. As a few days later, as again the shepherd from just, just three miles away. Remember, it's just three miles out to the shepherd's fields from the temple. As the shepherd is bringing more sheep in, he hears another crowd. But not like the one from a few days earlier. Anger, not praises, but cursing. And as he presses his way in, he sees three men carrying those crosses. He'd seen them before. But his heart stops when he recognizes one of the men carrying the cross is the rabbi Jesus. And his eye catches the face of his mother. Her face is the picture of sorrow. The shepherd has to follow. He must go. And he sees the group led out to the place of horrors that is just three miles from his home. A place called Gogotha. The place of the skull. The place where the Romans crucify the most wicked of criminals. And there on that hill, perhaps, now this shepherd, now in his 40s, sees this rabbi, this one who he recognizes as the baby from years ago, nailed to the cross, crucified, slaughtered. Like one of the sheep. Maybe the verse that he's heard before comes to his mind. He will be led like a sheep to the slaughter. He watches, the darkness comes. He hears the one on the cross cry out to his Father. And then he's gone. He sees the mother, the young mother he'd seen decades before. Now, that middle-aged woman racked with sobs, comforted by friends. What sense can this make? How can this be? As he sees his body taken down from the cross. And who is this taking it down? Well, that's... That's two of the the rulers of our people. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea are taking his body. Where are they taking his body? It's just a few steps to the cave. Another cave. But this one not for a birth. This one for the body in death. And there into that beautiful, beautiful cave-like tomb, the body of the Lord Jesus is laid and a stone is rolled in front. Imagine how the shepherd had to hurry on his way because like the others the sun's going down he must observe the Sabbath but like others who are so drawn to this one as soon as soon as the the day is coming on the first day of the week after the Sabbath perhaps the shepherd makes his way and there what does he find he finds not a tomb that is covered and closed. But he finds the stone is rolled away. And groups of Jesus' followers talking with each other as they've heard testimony, He has risen from the dead. Now imagine, seven weeks pass. The shepherd has to bring more sheep from just a few miles away because now it's another festival, the festival of Pentecost. He can't understand what's been said or what all this could mean, but he, he comes bringing those sheep and he hears another crowd. He, he hears a loud voice as a man is proclaiming a message. And as he gets nearer, it's, it's that, big, that big guy, the, the big one of Jesus' disciples. He's saying, what's He saying? He is saying that the One who was of the lineage of David, the One who was the Christ, the Lord, who has been crucified, has been raised again. And that all who believe, all who trust Him, receive everlasting life. And I can just imagine, as the hundreds line up, to walk just a few yards, just a few, few yards away from where Peter is preaching is all the pools for purification for the people who are about to enter. And Peter calls on those who believe to be baptized in the name of Jesus. i just like to think about that shepherd. Perhaps the one who was just a boy when he heard the good news the first night. Now, as a middle-aged man, here's the good news fulfilled. He walks into that water of baptism, following his master, the Lord Jesus. And guess what he is once again, and for the rest of his life, he is a missionary. I don't know if that's the rest of the story. But I want to tell you, it is the story of millions upon millions upon millions who were not there physically, but by the grace of God spiritually, they have been there. And they have believed. And that child, Jesus, who grew to manhood, Who lived the life they could not live, died the death they deserved, and rose again and conquered the grave, is Lord and Savior and Master. And they tell the good news wherever they go of the things they have heard and seen of this one who is born in Bethlehem, the Savior, Christ the Lord. Now, dead, buried, and raised again, and alive forevermore. See, the humblest of people who believe have the highest of privileges. Amen.